0: Hello friends and welcome to the U-Turn Podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a career expert, a speaker, a best-selling author of the book, U-Turn. Get unstuck, discover your direction, design your dream career. And I created the U-Turn book and the podcast as a place to help you connect to who you truly are at your core. And that's why every single week, I want to bring a guest on with the intention of helping you expand what's possible for you, both in your confidence, whether it's in work or love, and just in life in general. So let's get into this week's episode. My friends, I have a very special friend on the show today, and she is full of wisdom, not just about confidence, with her new book called Radical Confidence, 10 No BS Lessons on Becoming the Hero of Your Own Life. So obviously, we're going to talk a lot about confidence, but she just has so much wisdom on relationships, on connection, on business, and it's Lisa Billyou She is the co-founder of the billion-dollar company Quest Nutrition and co-founder and president of Impact Theory. She's the host of Women of Impact, which is an incredible show featuring women who have overcome so much hardship to achieve massive success, and her mission is to empower all women to become the heroes of their own lives. You got to check out her brand new book, Radical Confidence. You're going to learn so much from her today. Without further ado, Lisa Bill, (laughs) you. What up, my homie? Thank you for that intro, girl. It's so good to see you. You're so much fun. Like, I feel like whenever my friends hang out with you, because now I'm in New York and you're all the way in LA, I feel like I kind of got to hang out through them, like tacitly. Um, And I'm just so, like, excited for you with this new book, because who better to write about confidence than the amount of things you've chosen to step into than you. So Mm, congratulations.
1: Appreciate that.
0: Thank you. Yeah. How does it feel to have your book out now? And um, what are some of the biggest edges that you faced with yourself and your own confidence as you were
1: writing? Yeah, this is a great uh, question because it accidentally became an inception. So when I first got the um, offer to write a book, Someone, a literary agent, reached out to my husband, Tom, and said, hey, would Lisa be interested in writing a book? So I'm sitting there, and this is, you know, a year ago. So I've already built a billion-dollar company. Our content at Impact Theory has been viewed over half a billion times. And so you would think, oh, of course you got the confidence. But he comes to me, and he's like, hey, babe, someone wants to write. A, um, offer you a book deal. And I was like, oh, that's sweet. And I just kept going on with my day. And he's like, what the hell is wrong with you? Like, you need to take this seriously. This is a big – like, this is great. Like, you need to – Consider this. And my response was, well, who would buy a book from me? Oh, wow. And the reason why I love telling this story is it doesn't matter what you've done in the past. It doesn't matter who you think other people see you to be. All that matters is how do you actually feel about yourself? And the truth is, I am constantly insecure. I'm constantly questioning myself. Um, And so when I realized that this is almost what I need to talk about, because I get asked so much, Lisa, where do you find your confidence? And the truth is, is it isn't confidence that they see. It's the fact that I'm willing to fall on my face time and time again and get back up. Like, that's what people see. And so the book ended up being radical confidence. And I was building my radical confidence as I was writing the book, because I had no idea what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And so I think that people have this notion of, I need the confidence to get started. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, is that you want the confidence to do something with it. The confidence is a tool. It's not the end goal. And so what I think of is what is that thing you want confidence to do? So for me, it was, like, I want confidence to write a book. Okay. But that's the end. Like you won't get the confidence first. You won't feel good about yourself. That's the ego talking. Mm -hmm. And so what do you have to do is you have to get started. Now, getting started to me means being honest with yourself. It means that I had to say, Lisa, you have no idea how to write a book and don't go in with confidence because why on earth would I be confident in something that I've never done before? So I gave myself the grace to be the student and say, Lisa, you're going to learn all along the way. Now don't go in there with blind confidence. So you need to come up with a plan. And also the plan is it helps you twofold. It helps you not go in with blind confidence. And it also helps you keep taking those steps forward when you don't feel good enough. When you wake up in the morning and you're about to write, let's say your introduction and you're like, what the fuck do I have to say? Mm -hmm. Like I don't have anything where in your mind goes blank and you're out of words. That voice in your head that's telling you, see, I told you you shouldn't write a book. Mm -hmm. See, who the hell do you think you are to write a book? Lisa, just because people like watching your content or just because you built a company doesn't mean that you're good at a book, writing a book. That's the negative voice that's coming through my head. Mm -hmm. So I need a game plan to make sure I don't go in with a cocky confidence, but I also need the game game plan to keep me going in those moments where I have zero confidence. And so that becomes a plan. And so what I did is I said, okay, you can go in, do your research. What does that mean? Hit up your friends that you know have done, let's say New York time number one. I happen to have a lot of friends that have. So I wrote a list of questions. And I went in as the student and I called them all up and I said, I just need 30 minutes of your time. And I just asked them the questions and the questions went something like this. What was the thing that you didn't expect that made you that was that made you happy? What was the thing that you didn't expect that could have been detrimental to your success? What were the things that you didn't realize that you wish you had now? What were the things that you would change? What are the things that you wouldn't change? Was this good for your business? How did you feel about your self-esteem? Like I literally wrote a list of questions and I asked just incredible people. I took that and I said, okay, how are you going to show up to write your book? And the thing that everyone told me, girl, is if the book does well, you feel great about yourself. If the book does badly, you feel terrible about yourself. That was one of those truths. And that made me think about validation. Mm. And that's why I actually wrote a chapter in my book called Validation is for Parking, (sighs) because we all want to feel good about ourselves. That's just truth. And so when we go, we want to feel good about ourselves. I think it's important to start to um, determine where you're getting that validation currently Mm -hmm. and how you build that within yourself. Because if I'm currently getting my validation from other people patting me on back, from the views that I get on my YouTube channel, for the amount of followers that I have, you can imagine I'm setting myself up for utter disaster when I launch my book because now I'm letting other people dictate whether I should feel good about myself or not.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. based
1: on how many sales I make based on if I get to number one based on if I'm on any lists and because I'm just so real with myself and I say I know where I need to go and I know that this validation piece is going to really screw with me it's going to keep me stuck and it's going to mess with my mind if my book doesn't do well
0: mm-hmm. so
1: before I release the book homie I wrote a list of how I validate myself Ah, oh, wow before I launched the book so I sat there and I said, okay. How do I make sure that even if the book does terribly, I can be proud of myself? And I wrote a list of what that looks like. It was, number one, did I show up every day when I said I was going to, to write the book? Mm. Because the truth is, you know when you've made excuses. You know when you've chosen to hang out with your mates instead of go over that chapter again. You know when you've decided you've gone to that party, had maybe too much alcohol, woke up the next day, hung over, and now you're not giving it your all you freaking know. yeah. And so the question was, did you show up every day when you said you were going to? I can absolutely give myself that pat on the back if I did and it still fails. Mm-hmm. Did I give my all from a student standpoint? So the thing that I said earlier, did I go in with cocky confidence or did I go in as a student and try and learn as much as I humanly possibly can? If I can leave, with my head held high before I launched the book, remember? And the answer is yes, now I've validated myself. Mm. And so I just, I mean, you know, and I wrote just a bunch more of things and I just said, okay, Lisa, this is your cheat sheet for the next year as you're writing your book. This is how you're going to build your own validation. And before you launch the book, if you can hold your head high and say, yes, I did do all of these things, then you could better believe that you can feel damn proud of yourself
0: when the world feels crazy and chaotic remember that you don't have to you deserve to take control of your mental health and your physical health cured nutrition is trying to make it easier for you to do exactly that formulated with their trinity of ingredients a blend of full spectrum cannabinoids functional mushrooms and adaptogens serenity gummies are your answer to finding the calm in every storm i've been so excited about cured they want you to feel good about feeling good so they took their time in really formulating these serenity gummies they left out the artificial flavors sugars and dyes and they replaced them with ingredients that actually live up to their clean label wellnessy word when i'm relaxed i perform better and i make better decisions in my work and overall my life i just started taking these serenity gummies and i find that in moments that i would normally stress out I feel somehow calm and collected. Each gummy is packed with ashwagandha, a medicinal herb for fatigue, L theanine, which supports stress relief, Reishi, an adaptogenic stress buster and so much more. Right now, Cured is extending an exclusive offer to the U-Turn community. You can grab a bag of Serenity gummies for 20% off by visiting curednutrition.com uturn U-Turn. That's C-U-R-E-D nutrition, N-U-T-R-I-T-I-O-N.com slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N and use the coupon code U-Turn at checkout to save that 20%. Protect your peace, grab a gummy. Mm, Beautiful. And I also, as you're talking about this, I think you're sharing a lot about courage because to me, confidence, and and I'm also hearing you share that confidence is domain specific. I feel like I've I've got pretty decent self-esteem and sometimes people joke that I just like busted out of the womb, like I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) But, But I... I'm really clear and confident and courageous in some areas and not in others. And I think it's so important that you're talking about this. And I read this quote that I talk about in my book um, by Dan Sullivan. You know Dan Sullivan over there at, um, what's it called, his company. He says, think- he says, fear is wetting your pants. Courage is doing what you need to do with wet pants. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So basically you and I, next time we hang out, we just need to like get our diapers on and
1: (laughs) (laughs) just go for
0: it. But but that's so true. And that's actually the
1: last part. Thank you of, you know, what we're talking about here is in doing all of that in going in with zero confidence, zero self-esteem, but still doing it with a game plan. Mm -hmm. I absolutely, girl, was able to to launch my book and feel damn confident. And that's the part the confidence came at the end. The confidence is the byproduct of taking action. Mm. period let me repeat that the confidence is the byproduct of taking action Mm -hmm. and so by taking action by falling on your face by getting back up by learning That ultimately is what ends up building competence where now I can tell you how to write a book because I have the competence to do it. And that's where the confidence comes. But if you haven't built the competence, you're coming from a place of insecurity because maybe you don't know what you're talking about. And when you don't know what you're talking about, the insecurity is going to rear its ugly head. Your voice is going to start to crack. You're going to be hesitant. And now your body perceives that as utter insecurity. And so you're not going to be able to bypass it with confidence.
0: It's funny because you don't really know what you're talking about until you do. And one thing that I learned working in counterterrorism, especially, is like, you can't bullshit because people <laughs> die, you know, like, that's just not. So I feel like it was a really good place for me to realize that confidence is also saying, I don't know. Confidence mm. is and self-esteem, but mm. you don't know. And and that can be such a saving grace. So you have so many beautiful areas of your life. Like I know a lot of um, just from coming to your home, meeting people that you call your friends, like you have very supportive relationships. I, I think, you know, obviously no one knows what goes on between two people, but my experience of you and Tom is just like a lot of harmony, a lot of devotion, a lot of love um, in your marriage. And and then here you are in business doing new projects all the time. Um, and you have these ten you know, your subtitle, 10 No BS Lessons on Becoming the Hero of Your Own Life. So I love what you shared about validating yourself. And what I really heard was someone who says, can I leave it all on the table and and know that I gave it my best? I also think um, there was a level of trust that I heard you have. Like with my book as well, it was like, okay, you know, I need to trust that this book is going to get in the hands of the people that it needs to get into. And it's not about becoming the New York Times bestselling anything. And if that happens, that's amazing. And I'll go for it and I'll detach from it. So what are of these 10 no BS lessons, which one do you think about the most? Which one of your lessons sits with you the most deeply? I'm definitely going to answer this, but I definitely want to
1: pinpoint on something you just said. I 100% was like, I need, I'm going to gun for New York Times number one. Yeah. Like I have these two competing things in my mind that I am constantly live, living with. And I actually find it's when you can hold two com- competing ideas in your mind at the same time is where the freaking magic happens. And so I'm sitting there going, you are going to be a new york times bestseller lisa you're going to find out how on earth you're going to do it you need to do your research you need to read other new york times number ones you need to identify what makes it a number one right so i'm like in my head you better do the work you better show up and figure it out and at the same time oh i didn't hit new york one new york times number one it's okay you're still amazing you gave it all to your book and that doesn't define who you are those are the two competing ideas and so it's about um calling your shot and then having the balls to go for like swinging the freaking bat right Mm -hmm. and so it's like i'm gonna absolutely keep calling my shot and as long as i keep showing up with the bat to practice eventually that shot's gonna hit and i'm gonna get the home run just to kind of finish that analogy um but i'm never not gonna call my shot Mm -hmm. because to me that's what gets me out of bed every morning doing a big audacious freaking goal and showing up every day to try and achieve it. And it's in the pursuit that I find the pleasure, not in the result, because here's the truth. The result's never guaranteed, ever. Yeah. Ever. Mm-hmm. So do you absolutely like the journey? The amount of people that are just like, Lisa, I fucking hate my life, but you know what? As long as I keep <laughs> going, the exit's gonna be worth it. And I'm just like, oh God, you don't know if you're gonna exit. And I mean that with so much love in my heart. Yeah, you don't know. I never knew if we were gonna exit quest or not. Like it wasn't about that. It was about do you have a mission? And every day, do you show up in pursuit of that mission, even when you're failing? That's the question you have to ask. So I thought you were about to say something.
0: No, I'm just like, yes, yes, yes. And and it's like, um, I think there's probably people listening where it's easy for them to look at you and say, well, you know, once success begets success, right? Like once you create one success, maybe it's hard work and luck and the universe and all these factors that create success, right? Um, timing, whatever, but a lot of hard work. Um, it it looks like it could be easier for you to make it happen. But I love what you're sharing because it's like, it's about the journey and that experimental nature. And it's not just about the journey for your confidence. It's about the journey for your self-discovery. And when you learn more about who you are, you make better choices. And it's this positive feedback loop. And I think a lot of people are afraid to make the wrong decision, afraid to trust themselves and try something on, afraid to be experimental, and it keeps them from You know, starting this positive feedback loop at all. So let's say somebody's Mm -hmm. listening right now and they have some really big dreams and they feel really, really like, okay, you know, easy to hear Lisa and Ashley talk. They've got some momentum on some things, but I have like, I'm starting at ground zero. Um, Yeah. What do you have to say to them? I I love this question because
1: here's the thing. Absolutely. The fact that I've had the last 15 years of falling on my face, literally I've got the bruises, I've got the scars, right? To show you, I 100% have more confidence now in going after something and not feeling like if it fails, it it's my identity. A thousand percent. But that's because I've been, if my analogy wax on, wax off, like in the karate kid, I've been practicing for 15 years. And so one actually immediately, one of, um, I can't even remember who said this, but it was... um, It's a quote that basically says, don't compare your beginning or your middle to my end. Yes. Like I've done the 15 years work. I've shown up. Every freaking day, getting punched in the face and still getting, obviously, again, metaphorically, and getting back up. And so if you're listening right now, don't do yourself a damn disservice by comparing yourself to me or to Ashley, because we've put in the reps. If you're on day one, of course, you're going to fall on your face. Of course, you're not going to know what to do. So now we've identified that part. The question is, how do you keep moving forward? What have we learned that now other people need to start learning and the truth is one of my favorite chapters in the book is when the shit hits the fan wear goggles mm-hmm. and the reason why i named it that is so many of us focus on what happened oh my god i don't want to fail right you even said we're fearful what if we make a mistake what if we're not good enough well his hopefully empowering statement which i use you will fail you will fall in the face and you will be incompetent to achieve certain things now now yeah. that doesn't mean you won't always be that you will always be incompetent it just means you have to identify where your weak links are right now what skill sets you need to work on and then it becomes a repetition no one ran straight out of their mother's womb right you have to learn how to crawl you have to like do the elbow thing and then you have to like figure out how to like stand up and then you have to like you know hold your head up it's like but as kids we accept that but as adults we don't and that's the thing imagine even in fact as an adult if I said to you all right you're going to you're going to do a one year course on biochemistry you would be very happy to say i have no idea about bloody biochemistry so on day 1 i'm going to walk in and not know anything Right. Okay. well, because it's so extreme, people get that. But when it comes to these small incremental things of I'm going to do a video today, we so worry about what that video, whether it's going to succeed or not, that we don't allow ourselves that training process that we've allowed in other areas of going to school, of learning, getting an education. We don't think of that as now as adults. But here's one thing I want to throw to you, Ashley. Maybe this will resonate and maybe it won't. A new time mother, first time mother, never had the child before, if they were to voice concern to someone, it's like, oh, my God, I don't know what I'm doing. What are they going to say? Oh, you'll figure it out. Don't worry. Read this book. Ask your mates. And of course, you're going to figure out how to be a mother. But why the hell do we not say the same thing when a woman says, you know what, I'm going to quit you know oh this job over here and i'm going to start my own business people start to get negative they start to say well what do you know about running a business who do you think you are like aren't you afraid to fail no one ever says that about being a first time mother but they say that about a, a woman wanting to do that first time a book a business it's it's double standards in my opinion and so if we can just address the double standards and go look as women, we're freaking adaptable. We can literally grow another human in our body, never have been done it before. We can give birth and then learn how to parent along the way. Mm. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So why don't we give us ourselves the grace as women to do that in every other area of our lives, in business, in writing books, in making videos, in doing podcasts. So, um, okay. So in knowing that we just fear, The taking action because we're so worried about failing. So hopefully what I just said, hopefully
0: allows people to see failure as something different. Do you wanna get your daily dose of greens, but not feel like you're eating dirt? (laughs) This episode is sponsored in part by our dear friends over at Athletic Greens. And what I love about their greens powder is that they're not only carbon neutral, but they taste incredible. I started taking Athletic Greens because I really wanted to get all the nutrients and all the vitamins that I could in one swoop. And I just couldn't bring myself to keep drinking those celery veggie juice smoothie things. I just wanted something that tasted good and was good for me, and their greens are tropical, tasty, and yes, their travel packs are perfect for road trips and getaways. So you never really have to miss out. I've been on Athletic Greens for the past year, and I just can't seem to live without it anymore. I've passed it on to a couple of friends, and now it's become a staple for all of us. I actually look forward to taking my greens every morning. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole-food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of nutrients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your recovery, focus, and your anti-aging, all the things. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. I actually even put it in a smoothie sometimes. To make it easy, head on over to athleticgreens.com slash u-turn, and you're going to get a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is head to athleticgreens.com slash U-turn to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Now let's get back to this week's episode.
1: When the shit hits the fan with goggles, I'm saying instead of spending your time worrying, like that takes time, energy, space in your mind about, oh my God, oh my God, I don't want it to fail. Now I'm saying it will fail. Shit hit will the shit will hit the fan mm-hmm. so now wear goggles and worry about how the hell you're going to clean it up when it does now your energy is going towards something that can be productive it's something that can perpetually keep you moving forward and this whole thing really came um Too light, for me, I was a stay-at-home wife for eight years. I was supporting my husband. I was putting his clothes out, feeding him every single day for eight years. Quest then came along. It was a startup. I asked my husband, how can I help? Because I saw myself as a very good Greek wife. So I stepped in as the good Greek wife to help my husband. Now, what we didn't anticipate is that Quest would grow at 57,000%. We went from zero to a billion-dollar company within five years. That's just... Just ridiculous growth. Now, when it's someone like me who's been a housewife for eight years and doesn't have a skill set of taking leadership or knowing what I'm actually doing, I'm going in like a freaking just like figuring things out as we go along. Now, one day, very early days at Quest, we just had about enough money to hire a very small team of two or three people to start making the bars because we were making them all ourselves with like rolling pins and knives. So (laughs) So we literally managed to get just enough money to hire a crew. It's about a month in. One day comes and a guy walks into our office. There's like three of us and he walks in and he's ghostly white and he's stuttering and he looks petrified and we're like, what is going on? He's like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I've just messed up a batch of bars. Now me, not having experience, worried about failure means something about us. I thought I at the time thought failure meant I was a failure. So I hear, oh my God, there's been a failure. I go into like... Out of panic mode. And I'm like, oh my God, what are we going to do? And my husband was like, babe, we just have to see what we have. Like before we go into reaction mode, let's see what type of failure it is. So we walk into the production facility and the guy starts to explain. I was making a peanut butter batch of bars. And next we have lined up all the different other flavors. So he's like, I put in for peanut butter. I put in the protein powder. I put in the peanut butter. I put in the sweetener. And I accidentally, instead of grabbing... So instead of grabbing the peanut butter flavoring, I accidentally grabbed the mixed berry flavoring from the next batch. And he's like, so it's completely ruined. And at the time it was like $5,000 for a a batch. Now, when you're a startup, that's like, and your house is on the line. So our house was also on the line. $5,000 is like, oh my God, I'm about to lose my house. I have to tell my family I'm a failure. And my husband is like, no, we need to try the bar. So we all take a bite of this bar. And we're all like holding our breath. And someone's like, huh, it kind of tastes like PB&J. And so what do we do? We immediately wrap them in blank wrappers. We slap a sticker on that says, new prototype PB&J. We print these letters. We do one Facebook book. Uh, one facebook advertising blast about how guys we have a new prototype only 200 boxes this was because it was all a failure only 200 boxes come and get your trial dude we sold out like that before you know it you had people receiving the bars then going on facebook because that was the main place at the time Screaming about how amazing the bars were, that it has to be the next bar. Now you had people who didn't get to try the bar, had massive FOMO, and they were like, What? There's a PP J bar? Guys, we need to try. It became so huge on freaking Facebook. Within a month, we got the wrapper's design. We um we put them on sale and it became our number one selling bar at the time. Just, and that is how you take a failure and turn it into the best opportunity.
0: Mm, You make art of your life. It's so cool to hear like when the shit hits the fan wear goggles. It reminds me of Churchill saying when you're walking through hell, keep walking. Yes. It's like and it's really poignant because when the shit hits the fan, when you're walking through hell, there's a lot of people that will just sit there and it's like it sounds like obvious advice like well nobody really wants to be in hell nobody wants shit on their face so keep walking sounds pretty obvious but it's not it's the human experience what we do is we sit we it's it's fight flight freeze it's such a common trauma response and when the shit hits the fan usually it's traumatic and and we go into freeze so you're you're not only making a choice to move forward but you're overriding a nervous system response that most people have which is so powerful and you know I think in life, everything great has a cost of admission, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it's like you're you're making such a clear point. It's like we have these opportunities to succeed, to be experimental, to put ourselves out there, and there's a cost of admission. It's not just like um, beautifully folded into a, a beautiful origami piece of art, everything we do. <laughs> Which, yeah, yeah. And it, and for people, here's the actual, the biggest key for all of this.
1: It doesn't mean that I don't get petrified. It doesn't mean that I still don't have those thoughts. And so what I do is I just patent interrupt and I practice how I can rewire my brain to have a different habit. So every time I fail, the natural habit is to say, you're a failure, Lisa, you shouldn't do it. This is why you should never do anything new. Right. And so I recognize that voice. It comes into my head. And so instead of judging myself for it, I come up with a way of pattern interrupting and so I gave myself this actually my husband gave me this language but every time I go to say you're a failure I say to myself you're the learner and so what I've done over time is every time I keep saying you're a failure no you're a learner oh my god you're a failure no you're a learner and what ends up happening it's Bruce Lee right it's the distance between thinking kick and actually kicking. He got so good. He practiced so much that he never had to think kick anymore. He just saw something coming and he became an auto response was to kick back. And so my version of this is how do you not think kick? How do you just kick? And so I go, okay, cool. From where I started telling myself I was a failure and then getting myself out of it, maybe took me three days. And so what I've done over time, instead of judging myself to be perfect, I've just over time, over the last 10 years, worked on how do I get closer and closer between the period that I've told myself I'm a failure and then the auto response to be like, no, you're the learner. And I've gotten to the point now where I don't even say I'm a failure. I say I'm a learner. Mm. I've gotten that good, but it takes practice. So I want people to know it's a journey. It's a, Constant repetition. It's the wax on, wax off that makes you get to that point where you don't ever just think it. Now you just do it. But it takes time. So don't worry that you're not there yet. Don't worry that it's going to take you maybe a year. Give yourself the grace that you're the student to be able to learn this.
0: Mm, so good. And I know that one of your big factors for success is your habits. So I'm curious, like for everyone listening who wants to start building this experimental way of living into their career, into their creation, into their self-discovery, into their confidence, um, what are some habits that you've built over time? I love that habit of moving from, I'm um, you know, I'm a failure to I'm a learner. Mm. And I do think that's what personal development is, right? It's like, how short is that bridge between being hard on yourself and reframing it. So that's amazing. Um, what are some other habits that you've developed over the times? Oh, so there's, there's two
1: different ways to answer this. There's the habits that I've realized I don't currently have that will serve me that I need to start adopting. Um, and so I will start to be the student of myself to say, what is the, the skill I need to learn next? And so I just take, give myself the grace to be like, I'm Until I'm 90 and in my hundreds, homie, I plan to still be the student. So I'm in no rush. So I go, cool. You take one skill at a time, one habit at a time, and what are you going to do about it? Because it can become very overwhelming. So I go, cool. What is that next thing that I'm doing in either in my business? Like, what's that next goal that I don't feel competent yet to do? Mm. And I have to be honest with myself. So let's say my goal is... which. I don't have this now, but it was once upon a time, right? My goal is to get in front of the camera and put out a video. I was so insecure. I'm like, oh my God, I don't want to see myself. I sound squeaky. Like all these like negative things that I can convince myself of why I should never be in front of the camera. And so I said, though, what is my mission and goal? It's to impact people. Mm. And so now I understand what I'm doing. I understand why I'm doing it. And now I realize... I have um, a gap between getting in front of the camera and my mission. So why am I not getting in front of the camera? Okay, Lisa, you're insecure. Why are you insecure? Because you're worried you're going to be bullied. Why are you worried you're going to be bullied? Because you're worried you're going to be, be stupid on camera. You're going to say something that sounds like you're an idiot. Okay, how do I make sure or get to the point where I can be comfortable in front of the camera? And so now I realize, oh, it's a skill set. I have to start getting okay with messing up in front of the camera because I I don't set myself up for for disaster. So I realized saying, okay, get perfect. I knew that would set myself up for disaster because you're never going to be perfect. I'm always going to fail. I'm always going to say something stupid. I'm always going to be like, whoops, I didn't mean to say that. I'm going to stutter times, right? I'm going to try and find my words. And so setting myself up means where am I trying to go and how do I set myself up incrementally to get there? So I go, Making sure that I'm perfect, I'm never going to get there. So that's not even on the table. So if I want to get comfortable, I have to start to know what I'm saying. What's my message? How do I press record? How do I go from being the person that's petrified to even press record to then releasing a YouTube video? Create those steps. Now it's a skill set that I have to practice time and time again to I get to the point where now it's a habit and go, I literally don't even think about it. I didn't think twice about coming on the, you know, the call with you today. Oh my God, I get to hang have- yeah. actually. Not even one moment of petrified hesitation. But if you'd caught me five years ago and asked me to come on this podcast, I'd be like, oh my God, I would have had to have spent the last day practicing. I would have had my notes. I would have. So it becomes a practice of what's the skill you're trying to um, gain so that you're competent enough to take on a new goal or a new challenge. So that's how I kind of think about it from that. But the other side of it, the other way I was going to answer is what habit doesn't serve me? Mm. What are the things right now that are actually very much getting in my way of the person I want to be, the woman I want to show up to be every day, and the goals that I'm trying to achieve? So, the one thing, and it becomes know thyself. So, one of the things that I'm currently working on is I am sometimes emotionally reactive. Mm-hmm. And I recognize that is a habit that I've gone into. And it doesn't serve me. It doesn't serve being a boss or a leader to just be emotionally reactive. Now, I'm not saying don't feel your emotions. It's about being able to know when you're having a feeling of an emotional feeling, if, how are you going to handle it in this moment? And are you proud of yourself when you've left that situation? Now, this is the chapter that I call in my book. Um, oh God, I've forgotten the chapter's name.
0: It's okay. Gain
1: emotional, yeah, gain, there you go. See, I forgot. Gain emotional sobriety. Mm. Um. And so, and it's so, sober up, gain emotional sobriety. Now, what I mean by that is, I don't know if you, you drink. quite.
0: actually, yes, you drink. Yeah. We've had many cocktails yeah. together. I don't even had know why I've cocktails. asked you. Actually, <laughs> I'm just doing a flashback. I I was in your jacuzzi having a cocktail telling you about- Yes, you were. I made my way to Little John's booth <laughs> in Las Vegas. Oh, my God. Yes. I the only I get starstruck by, I get starstruck by no one. I don't care. I don't know. I Maybe it's growing up in LA. Little John, I remember just going on and on about how he said he introduced himself to me. I told you, he said, hi, I'm John. And I looked at him and I was so paralyzed with excitement that I said, thank you. I, like, didn't say- <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> okay, amazing. anyway, back to the cocktails.
1: But <laughs> right, yeah. So, okay, we've all had a couple of drinks in our lives. And have you ever, I don't know about you, but have you ever had one of those moments where maybe you've had a little too much to drink? And maybe you say something you shouldn't have said, you know, like maybe you kiss the bouncer on the way out, you know, you're like, oh, maybe that was a little inappropriate. Maybe you dance on the table while your mom was there, right? Mm. And then the next day, you kind of regret it. You're like, oh man, I shouldn't have said that. Or, oh man, I shouldn't have done that. We all realize we can get, we can act a different way if we've had a little too many shots. Now think about that from an emotional standpoint. If you have a too many shots of anger, you end up saying something that you regret saying. After you've calmed down, and so I call it emotional sobriety. How do you make sure that you know, as you're taking those shots of anger, frustration, um, conflict, that in those moments you can have the skill sets to be sober so that you don't emotionally react? Now, when you're a boss, a leader, that's imperative. Mm-hmm. You're because you're going to be triggered there are going to be employees that are disrespectful to you they're going to have teammates that are disrespectful how do you not emotionally get triggered by that mm-hmm. and so that's where I'm going back to the habit question where I knew where I wanted to go as a boss where I wanted to go as a leader who I want to show up to be I don't want to show up to be somebody that's emotionally reactive and cannot control my emotions that doesn't mean shutting them out it just means knowing how to manage them and so I recognize oh This is a habit I have. It doesn't align with my goals and my future that I've set for myself. How do I unwire the habit? Mm -hmm. And so now I've identified the problem. And now I just come up with a plan. Like I come up with a plan of creating a habit of you just, you know, time and time again, you have to repeat it. You have to consciously be aware of it. You have to have um, any way of messaging yourself, post-it notes, phone alarms to remind yourself until you create that habit. I do the same with unwinding the habit. And so the unwinding of the habit to me, when it comes to, let's say, emotional stability or emotional sobriety, is like just flashed back. And I said, When was the last time I had an emotional reaction that I regretted? Now, write that out as a script. Now, the reason why I say script is because if you've read scripts, you know, there's no room for thoughts. That's a book, that's a novel, right? A script is he said this, she said that. Mm. So I read, so I take a situation. From the last time I had an emotional uh, uh, situation, I then write it as a screenplay. I then write little flags of where they started. In flashing back, you start to realize that maybe you started to get irritated. Maybe your heart started to flutter. Maybe you started to get embarrassed. Maybe you started to feel challenged. Where in that script did that start to happen? Mm. Then you can identify, oh, I got this emotion based on this sentence that this person told me mm. now the question is why did that impact you why did that make you flustered mm. now start to this is just to know thyself this
0: isn't even what to do this is just to figure out how you got there in the first place Hey U-Turners, this episode is sponsored in part by our friends over at Organifi. My absolute favorite product has got to be their chocolate and their vanilla protein powder. Due to my diagnosis of Lyme disease, I'm really careful with what I put in my body on an ongoing basis, and I smiled from ear to ear when my doctor read the ingredients on the back of their powder and gave it a thumbs up. They're gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free, vegan, almost no sugar, it's, it's kind of perplexing that it actually is something at all. Their chocolate protein powder I love to put with nut milk, cashew butter, and frozen blueberries while their vanilla is so good with peanut butter, frozen strawberries, and nut milk. This smoothie is my fix when I'm hungry anytime or when I just have a sweet tooth. Just so good. I mean, here's the thing, it's tempting to turn to that second or third cup of coffee But the truth of the matter is that caffeine can only do so much. At some point, we need to look at the root cause of our fatigue, and it turns out the two main factors in low energy are chronic stress and lack of nutrition. Organifi's clean organic superfood blends address these problems with adaptogenic herbs and mushrooms to help you balance your cortisol levels associated with stress, and they make it easier with one scoop of protein powder to add so many more nutrients into your diet. If you'd like to grab yourself some protein powder or really any of their incredible products, just head on over to organificom turm That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com/YouTurn, and make sure you use the code U-turn at checkout for 20% off.
1: Yes. And mapping where you were triggered. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because then once I can start to go, Oh, you were triggered because she said this, and this actually was something that you're working on and you're insecure about. Oh, Mm -hmm. that's why I was triggered, Mm -hmm. but I didn't say anything. And then Five minutes later, she said this. Oh, so that was the stacking stone that got me to then break when she said this. So now I'm like, oh, I get it. These are triggers I haven't dealt with. Yeah. And now I spend the next month dealing with my triggers. Mm-hmm. And then I start to go, how do I show up differently? What am I going to say in a situation where next time maybe they say exactly the same thing? If I don't have the courage yet or the strength or the radical confidence yet to either have my own back, reply with confidence, what am I going to say in those situations? Hmm. And then it becomes now a cheat sheet of you walk away, you, you lie, you say, oh my God, I'm so sorry, I have to go to the bathroom, just to get yourself out of that. So then you can take those deep breaths. Maybe you can listen to that, you know, song that gets you amped. And then you can walk back into that situation with emotional sobriety. Mm-hmm. So that was how I kind of go with habits and how I handle being very honest with myself and then how I start to pivot because that's the goal. Again, I, I always want to grow. I always want to evolve. And so how do I create create these habits
0: or recreate the habits to serve me. Mm, It's so interesting. You remind me the other night I was out to dinner with the girls in New York and this new guy that I've been seeing, he messaged me something really annoying and my little fingers, it was like little cocaine fingers. Like they did a line and they were just like mm. texting really fast. <laughs> I was like, that's what I call them when, when you just start reacting on text message. Like my little cocaine fingers. Um, I, You know, never really done cocaine, but that's what I would think would happen. I'm so me. stealing that girl. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's almost like I was telling my friends and they, they saw me and they're like, what are you typing? Eh, eh, eh. Give us your phone, delete, delete. Um. Next morning, I was so glad. But that's the thing with reactivity. It's almost like a... Little orgasm. It's like, I mean, I've never really had a one-night stand, but I imagine it's like when you're gonna have an orgasm, it's like all you can think about. And then when it's over, the person is just like chopped liver. That and, and then all of a sudden you're like in the sobriety mm-hmm. of the situation. And so it's like, okay, um, really, really hard to get mastery over your nervous system like that. And I really I really just want to applaud anyone who even starts asking themselves these questions. And a lot of this has to do with the voice in your head. And I know your book has a lot of conversation around shutting off that negative voice in your mind. Um, How how do you, I know there's a lot of people listening. They probably have negative self-talk. We've all gone through it. So, you know, you're doing this habits work. You are putting yourself out there. You're being experimental. And then you've got this voice in your head. What do you do with that one? I know you'd said, you know, I'm a failure, I'm a learner. So you mm. frame it. That's one thing you do. What else do you do?
1: Oh, God, this is great. Because here's the question the thing that people need to start with is you need to just take inventory. Think of yourself as a transcriber of what your mind is actually saying. Yeah. Because there's so much you don't even realize you're saying to yourself yeah. to the point where I've done all this work for 10, 15 years and only like a year ago. Did I real? Did I realize that every time I walk past my mirror, I insult myself? Mm. And it's tiny. It's like, "Oh, flat. your your butt looks flat today, Lisa." Oh God, this damn pimple! Every time, and it was so automatic. I didn't even realize, and it was all in my head. Mm. So I really do think the very first place people need to start of is start transcribing your negative voice, um, because that at least helps you identify what you're saying to yourself because words really freaking matter words Words matter so much so I would advise people to start there now in everything that I was saying with habit building with showing up actually the very first thing I had to do was get a hold of my mindset and the words that I was saying to myself that was actually the very first thing and a lot of people like Lisa um, write a book about business like I, I got a lot of that because I built businesses and I was like it it didn't resonate with me because that wasn't the hardest thing I've had to go through. The business side of it is Google it and you'll learn. Like, and that's how I built myself in Science. like learning. shit. Google it and learn. I actually believe in myself that I can Google something and learn it or watch a video or take a course. That part actually was easy because I gave myself the grace to think of it as like skill acquisition. Mm-hmm. But the thing I found the hardest, seriously was the voice in my head that was holding me back from Googling something, from believing that I could learn, from believing that I was the person, that even if I'm not good enough yet, that I can become good. It was the voice that was holding me back from actually believing that in the first place. Mm. So that was why it was so important that the first book I ever write has to be about the biggest hurdle I found. And that was making sure that my negative voice didn't dictate how I show up every day. Mm. and. The thing that really struggled, I struggled with at the beginning was people kept saying, oh, my God, Lisa, you're so mean to yourself. Because I was like, oh, my God, my voice is always telling me I'm not good enough. They're telling me I'm bad. And it was like, no, be kind to yourself. Be kind. And I'm just like, okay, be kind. And I was terrible at it and I wasn't kind to myself. And I'm like, now I just, it's almost, I gave my negative voice another reason to emotionally beat myself up because it was like, see, you can't even shut me up. So now it's like, I gave myself a double whammy of a reason that I could beat myself up. So I was like, okay, that strategy doesn't work. And I had to just take a step and recognize that the negative voice was my kryptonite. And I love to use fun language because like I said, l- well, language matters. And so when I think of myself, okay, kryptonite, so what's my superpower? That starts to put me in a do position when I start to say the word superpower. Mm. So I go, cool, the negative voice is my kryptonite. How do I make it my superpower? And mm. what does that look like? So I started to think about my husband, the person that I believe loves me the most. Sometimes he has to tell me the hard things. Sometimes he can say things that really upset me. But why does he say them? The hope is, is because he really wants to see me do well. Mm -hmm. And he's trying to tell me things that maybe I don't realize myself. That's someone that you can rely on to say the hard things. So it's like, okay, what if my kryptonite as my superpower was actually a message? Instead of trying to stop me from doing something, it's actually trying to tell me about something. Mm. So I was like, okay, well, if my negative voice was like my husband, what are they trying to tell me? Mm. So now you see, I've took the inventory of you're not good enough. Don't you dare. And one of them was, you're not good enough to get in front of the camera. Don't you dare get in front of the camera, Lisa. And it's the ego trying to protect me, right? It doesn't want me to feel badly about myself. So it's trying to warn me. Just like my husband really wants to protect me. And he's telling me the things that are hard to say, but he's saying it because he cares. Mm. All right. So now if I can just listen to that voice that's saying, Lisa, you're no good in front of the camera, I can say, all right, maybe, maybe if you took it as truth, the question now I ask is how do I get good? Mm. Like that, that is almost where it led me. Like, all right, if I'm not good, how do I get good? and then it started to literally tell me well you're worried about if you're going to twitch all right how do I avoid worrying about if I twitch or not all right Lisa you're worried about if you're going to stumble okay how do I make sure I don't stumble like start to actually come up with a strategy of what you're worried about now I'd said earlier right is that you as the learner when you do this it doesn't mean you're going to get it right but as the learner now you can keep going saying that I took that first step and I'm going to learn from those mistakes but the first step is identifying what's holding you back in the first place. And that was why I had to take the negative voice that I've called many things. She's my bitch in the head, my, the bitch in my head. She's also the critic. Now, if I start to listen to her, I've made the bitch into my BFF or another way, I've made the critic into my coach.
0: Mm. But
1: either way, I've taken that thing that held me back and I've used it as the thing that propels me forward.
0: Mm, Okay, final question. You're sharing so much. I'm so excited for everybody listening. Um, What is I know know you have a strategy to achieve really big goals fast. Um, You know, one thing you did with your book was become a learner, ask all these questions. For anyone who is thinking about a dream right now, as they're listening, and they're getting pumped up with their confidence and giving themselves more permission. What is your superpower strategy to achieve bigger goals more quickly?
1: Here's the real truth. I go for both of them because I like to go hard. Like I get excited, but know thyself. And I think the truth is most people will almost get lost in the duality of that. And you may get lost in, oh my God, I'm moving towards what I really want to do, but I'm not moving fast enough. And now you make decisions based on the speed. And you then derail the direction. Now, if you can do both, where you can go, what is the the method in which I'm going, the strategy, I should say, what's the strategy that I can go faster? Maybe it's more money. Maybe it's more people. Maybe it's more interns. Maybe it's more asking your mom to help. Like those are all true things, right? What is that strategy in order for me to move faster? And then what is that strategy for me to move in the direction I want to move into? And now you just got to make sure that those two don't conflict. Because if they do, you have to have one North Star. What's more important? Speed. And you ending up in a direction that maybe wasn't the end goal or the end goal. And maybe now it takes you twice as long. You have to identify actually which one's more important because whenever, when you're growing a business, you're always going to find that multiple areas are going to come into conflict. And making sure you understand your North Star is always going to be the most imperative thing so that it gives you literally a blueprint of knowing where to move forward. So the truth is, is that's almost where you need to start is knowing which one is more important to you. Mm -hmm. And so for me and Tom, we know which one is more important. And the truth is, oh, God, I think it's an African proverb that says something like, you can move very quickly by yourself, Mm -hmm. but you can move very much further with a family or with a group.
0: Yeah. If you want to move fast, go alone. Go by, yes. Far, go together. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. That's exactly it. So
1: now it's which one do you want? Mm -hmm. because you might be able to move faster by yourself, but maybe fast isn't the end goal. So you have to be so real with yourself in knowing that because when you make a decision, you have to be then okay with that decision. That doesn't mean that it's not heartbreaking that you have to make that decision, but at least you know, this is a decision I have to make based on the shots that I called, right? So that is going to be the, the biggest key.
0: You are such a ray of light every time. I hope I catch you next time I'm in town. And I just want to remind everyone the book is called Radical Confidence, 10 No BS Lessons on Becoming the Hero of Your Own Life. Where else can everyone go to keep learning from you? Where is your favorite place to send everyone?
1: Oh, girl, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I freaking miss you, girl. You gotta let me know when you're next in LA. And then anyone listening, I actually have a bunch of bonuses that if you buy the book that I give away is like additional content because my North Star is actually making change. So now I know, right? I've called it. I know what I need to do. So I really, if anyone wants to buy the book, just go over to radicalconfidence.com, put in your receipt. And I've got like nine hours of additive content that I give away with the book. So go over to radicalconfidence.com.
0: Radicalconfidence.com. Thank you again, Lisa. You're the best.